Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. I want you to know that every time I say that, I am shimmying my shoulders. How are you, Sarah? (laughs) I'm doing great. I'm so excited to record another episode with you. I like love this podcast. I'm so proud of it, to be honest with you. I love telling people. I <laughs> I know that because I've listened to years and years of NPR and there's all these jokes about people that listen to podcasts and they're NPR and they're all about, have you listened to my podcast? I am that person now and I love it. I have no shame in it at all. It has opened up so many doors for me. I have met so many people and it also gives me this strange amount of validity and I'm not going to lie, a little prestige, just a little bit to be like, I have a podcast. How about you? Do you want a podcast? I'll tell you how to have one. Like I'm so, I am an evangelist for podcasting. I mean, clearly me too. Also, I want to rip that whole audio and just use it as testimonial on my, what she or my VA. So um, Listen, could you make that happen? Take this as permission. I will also say that because we work together, but we also have a podcast, I had to take your quote off of my quote proposals for potential clients because it <laughs> seems like such a conflict of interest for me to have a big quote on the cover of my proposals that said, the best investment in my business was hiring you, Sarah K. Heater. It's one of my most favorite quotes, but guess what? It's very, very unfair. Even though you do feel that way, but I hope- That's definitely um, true. But yeah, I mean, part of the reason why is because we also like started this whole secondary brand together and we became best friends, but I hear you. Totally hear you. Yeah, it's just not, it's not fair, but I wish it was. But anyways, how are you today? I'm good. I feel like you in the last episode, I am feeling really congested. And I mean, we don't hang out in person, so it's not a contagion thing. It's so annoying. I never leave my house. I mean, I go five days without leaving my house or seeing anybody but Drew, my dogs, and the mail lady, and I'm sick. Like, why am I? What is happening? I take vitamins. I probably need more sun. I'm in the season of my life where I prefer dark, cold spaces. (laughs) I'm basically a lizard. So when the sun's out, I just stay inside even more so. And I probably just need some vitamin C. But anyways, I'm sorry that you're congested. It is that time of year. I guess so. I guess so. Well, you want to introduce our topic this week? Yeah, I thought that or we thought that it would be fun to... God, we always say that. It'll be fun to talk about this. Will it? Everybody's listening. They're like, is it? Is it really going to be fun or is it going to be stupid? Thank you. This week, we want to talk about major mindset shifts that have happened shifting from corporate to entrepreneurship because it is a whole different way to work. Preach. It's very true. And I think (laughs) just the other day, this is funny. I was scrolling through Instagram and I don't know how this ended up on my For You page, but it was this account that was 
people posting videos about their jobs, whether it was I work at McDonald's and this is how shitty corporate is, or it was I'm a waitress at Hooters. Let's see how many how many tips I can get this week. And then it was also like, F this, I just quit my job and this is what this is what it's like. It was very real people fussing about their job, telling corporate trauma stories. It was I mean, I got down a rabbit hole. I blinked and three hours had gone by. I missed like the six episodes of Ted Lasso I was supposed to be watching. But it was so interesting and I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I really do think there's such a mindset shift, but also just like an overall lifestyle change that happens when you leave your job or you leave corporate. So I'm glad we're talking about this. Also, if you want to share any of your corporate trauma stories on this episode, I would love to hear them because I have a plenty. I absolutely just put on our <laughs> Trello board corporate trauma as a <laughs> idea for a future episode. Like yes. that. I mean, maybe several episodes. That definitely let's, needs to happen. Let's just do a whole corporate spill the tea. No, spill the tea on corporate episodes. Okay, stay tuned. We're doing that. So we're doing that. We're doing that <laughs> because I have I have stories. So why don't you start us off? What was like the main first thing that you realized that was such a shift or a change for you coming out of corporate or if not corporate, just working somewhere else for somebody else? The number one thing that comes to mind for me that was a big shift was this whole idea of being busy or being a hard worker. And I don't know if this will resonate as much with you because um, we've talked quite a lot about how many hours you work and how much you put in. For me, a big shift has been kind of this weird realization that, and, and like go with me here for a minute because this is somewhat a hot take, but as society, we put this out there that being a hard worker or being a hardworking person like earns you some kind of trophy, that there's something positive associated with that trait of being a hard worker. And in entrepreneurship, I know so many people in entrepreneurship who work really hard and get nowhere, like they're just spinning their wheels. And it's really not about working hard in entrepreneurship. It's about working efficiently, working effectively, getting results, making connections. It's progress and hopefully efficient progress, like what is going to get results the fastest <laughs> using the least resources. So it's not about working hard. It's about working efficiently. And in corporate, it's so much about working hard. It's so much about appearing busy, making a good impression on any of the higher ups who see you like you want them to see you being busy and working. You don't ever want to have downtime. You almost like don't want to finish tasks too quickly because you need to set the expectation that you're so busy and you're working hard. And if somebody like gives you a task in corporate, did you ever do this in corporate where like they give somebody gives you a task and you could just turn it around right away, but you have to say something along the lines of like, I could have this to you by end of day or I could have this to you by end of week. Because if you're just that available, then it like begs the question, why do we pay you? Like, why is your job important? So you have to make your job seem more important by being busy all the time, which is just completely different from just be as efficient as possible, get as much done to get results as quickly as possible in entrepreneurship. 
Yes. Okay. So I didn't necessarily do that, like pretend to be busier than what I am. But what I would do is I had a manager who was a general manager of the company that I worked for before I left to work for myself, which was, if you have not listened to the show, I worked as a um, head of marketing for a clinical research trials company. So the general manager, there was a lot of people on the team. And so it was very easy to get lost in the shuffle, like of the people and to get to get any kind of notoriety, you really had to go knock on her door to let her know like you were important. So what I would do is I'd go in there once a day. I'd settle. This is so sad. God, this is so sad looking back. I would set an alarm on my phone at a certain time every day. How she never caught on, I have no idea. Probably because she did not care about my input or me working there. <laughs> but I would at a certain time of day go into her office and I would ask her the dumbest question possible to quote unquote give her an update on the project that I was in charge of because I wanted her to know that I was working hard and that I, more than anything that I was engaged, that I cared, that I valued her opinion. I did all of those things just to make sure she knew that I was important. So I didn't try to pretend to be busier. I just tried to pretend to be like more engaged than what I was. Like the task was so mindless, but I would be like, oh yeah, I, like I would really value a second set of eyes on this project if you don't mind. Like I, I, I didn't need, I didn't need that. <laughs> It's embarrassing. True story. I had a manager in a previous job who told me that her boss, so like my boss's boss, didn't think I ever came to work because we had two staircases in the office and I used the back staircase because it was closer to my office. And this big wig, her office was right across from the front staircase. So my manager was telling me, I know you're here every day, but she doesn't see you. So you need to come up the front staircase. And she was also giving me tips, true story, that similar to what you're saying, she three times a day would go fill up her water. There was a water fountain near our offices, but she would walk to the water fountain across from that person's office so that she would see her filling up her water. And if she did not need to fill up her water bottle, she would dump it and then go fill it up so that she would just see her there. What's crazy about this to me is that actually is not working. So she needs to see you not working to believe that you're working. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have done that. I would walk by my, um, this is so embarrassing. I would walk past my general manager's office and I would walk really quickly like to the, like her office was at the end of the hall and my office was just two doors down from hers. Not because I was high in caliber. It was like I was a last add on to the team and that's just the only office that was available because nobody wanted to be close to her. (laughs) And so what I would do was I would walk past her office really, really, really fast. Like I was in an emergency, like whatever I had to do was super important. And then when I would walk back by, I would make sure that I would go to the printer for something. I was probably printing out like to-go menus or something for my lunch. Like who honestly knows? And I would walk past her office and I'd flip through the papers like it was really important. Like whatever I'm reading, I've got to get back to my office. I have to respond. It's just maddening. It's just maddening that grown people. And it's so much waste. And but it's necessary for your career trajectory in corporate. So like it's bonkers, but also that's part of the reason why there are mass layoffs because there's so much bloat in corporate, but it's like the corporate atmosphere. You know what? 
I'm going to stop there because that could be like a whole rabbit hole. But point being, that was a huge shift in mindset of instead of having to prove to anyone I'm busy or I'm important, instead I have to prove to people, and I feel like you're saying the same thing, I have to prove to people I can get you results. And I'll take I'll take my cue with that to say results do not equal job security. Like I was a really good at I was really good at my job and I worked overtime. If there was an event, we used to do a lot of community events to raise awareness for the clinical trials that we were putting on. And um, I was even though I was head of marketing, everybody would take a turn and most people wanted to do it because you got overtime you would go on a Saturday and you'd work like a chili cook-off and you would hand out flyers of like Duke trials and things I would always I would always offer to do them I remember oh my god I cannot I just this just unlocked a trauma okay so I I will tell this corporate trauma part one I'm telling this is just a sneak peek buckle up (laughs) I remember being so hard on myself we were going on vacation and I remember oh my god I cannot believe I did this Sarah I'm so embarrassed so I remember when we were on vacation we were coming back on a Friday and I noticed after I put my PTO in that my vacation was going to fall on an event that was a hundred percent optional to me I did not have to do it it was going to fall on the Friday that I came back. Do you know I cut my vacation 12 hours short to hurry back to work a freaking senior festival for old people to get them to sign up to get their flu shot with us? And I did that because I thought that was going to, one, give me job security, two, give me a raise, and three, endear me to my boss. Nobody cared. Nobody even knew I came back. Nobody even, nobody, nobody cared. And I did that because I thought it was going to, it was going to somehow make my job more secure, which is so crazy, which is so crazy. And I think in corporate compared to when you work for yourself, I never worry about getting fired at my job now. Like if someone decides they don't want to work with me, we've talked about that before on this show. Okay, that's fine. I can't make you happy. I promise you nobody's trying harder than I am. But if you're not happy with my service, that's totally, that's fine. That's fair. In court, or any I, other reason, you can't afford it anymore or sure, sure, whatever. Sure, sure. Whatever the reason is, I don't stress about that because people are going to come and go, right? Realistically, am I going to keep all of my clients until I'm 90 and still doing this? Probably I not. I tell myself that. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. And it's not personal. I don't take anything personal. However, in corporate, I was always in fear. I was always worried. I mean, I constantly lived in the state of mind of like, this is the day that my hours are going to get cut. I'm not going to have any money. And that's why when people tell me all the time, I can't believe that you do what you do because you have no, you have no benefits. Like, aren't you afraid because you don't have any benefits? I'm like, no, because I can afford to buy my own benefits where when I was in corporate and they were given to me as part of my corporate package, I was terrified that I couldn't afford to pay my rent. Like it just to me, that mind shift of if I work hard, I'll be rewarded is such BS when it comes to corporate. And I want to like add on to what you said, too, about the fear in corporate of also I could lose my benefits if I got laid off. My benefits are gone. Whereas I don't have to worry about that in entrepreneurship because my benefits are my job. Like it's my responsibility, I mean. And in corporate, it's like, 
it's up to somebody else. I think related to that, my mindset in corporate was so eager and hungry. Like I want to prove myself. Everybody's replaceable. Like I have to prove that they should keep paying me. (laughs) And no matter, and like to your point, it wasn't about the results I was getting. It wasn't about me being good at my job. I was good at my job, but there was this whole mentality of there's a line of people who want this job. And if you don't want to be here, if you don't want to make sacrifices, if this isn't your like top priority in your life to be here, then we could replace you with somebody else tomorrow. If you don't want to be here, you can leave. And I specifically remember, here's another corporate trauma story. I was standing with some people in a sales job. I had my first job out of college was sales. And we were slow at the time, the store I was working at, and we were kind of standing around. And it was such a culture of complaining in that environment. Everybody was just like bitching. They all were just complaining, especially because it was slow. I mean, they complained no matter what. They would complain if it was busy. They would complain if it was slow. It was just a very complainy culture. And I was 22. So like, I really didn't, I really didn't have the work experience. I mean, I had been working since I was 14, but I didn't have the corporate experience to recognize like this is controllable. This culture is something that can be managed. Um, So I didn't recognize that, but it was just such a complainy culture. And um, so they were all bitching that it was slow and that they wanted to go home and that they were tired. And so I just joined in because when you're in a social group, you just like participate. And I didn't even, what's really funny is I didn't even really mean it. I just sort of was participating. Like, this fucking assistant manager who I could not stand heard (laughs) this conversation, turns on her heel, marches into the general manager's office, and I guess reported what we were talking about. And I got sent home and written up. And she said to me, basically, like, take the next two days off. And when you come back, you let me know if you want this job or not. Like, you let me know if you want to be here. Like, I hate everything about this. And let me tell you, you know, I I look back on that and it's like the energy that I have now in my business is like, the answer would be no, I don't want to be here, right? But at the time, I was mortified. I was so upset. I started crying. I called the assistant manager who I loved and I was like, this just happened to me. Like, what the heck? And I was a really good employee. Right. And to more or less like threaten a really good employee when what was going on was a culture issue that should have been managed. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not the way to manage that culture, by the way. And I'm speaking as someone with a master's degree in organizational behavior development and change management, which is... (laughs) This is not how you manage culture, (laughs) listening to your employees complain and then threatening their jobs. So anyway, especially at 22 years old, like my first corporate job, listen. (laughs) So uh, yeah, and the lesson I learned from that in corporate was that whole you're replaceable you have this has to you have to demonstrate that your loyalty is to the company first and all of that if you act like that in entrepreneurship especially in client work and your clients are other entrepreneurs your clients are going to look at you like you have three heads like what are you thinking chill out have a good time like 
<laughs> this is not the most important thing in life. There are so many more important things than this. And I always say in my business now, like, there's literally no such thing as an emergency in podcasting. It just does not exist. Like, this is not brain surgery, right? It is podcasting. It's going to be fine. It's going to yeah. be fine. A lot of times when I talk to any little baby VAs is what I call them, people that are just hopped out of the the other like corporate or left their old jobs and they're ready to be VAs and they just started out. The first thing that it's, I notice is that when it comes to working in corporate, it's almost, at least it was for me and I've noticed it, I think it is for other people. It was almost like no matter how good you were, you mess up once and you're like, you are threatened. You are out of here. Like you better get in line, you know, whereas if you make a mistake in virtual assistant offering any service based business working for yourself like we do there are endless opportunities to make things right to make things better to nail it the second time that's the thing about corporate is it's almost like you have to constantly be living in fear which say what you will about organized religion but it's very similar it is you are constantly afraid you better stay in line there's a lot to be said for marching in line and staying in structure that doesn't work for people. People are leave it, leaving, you know, corporate jobs in mass exodus for a reason. People are not meant to fit into these little baby boxes. So when I talk to people who are just getting started as virtual assistants, I tell them all the time there, I'll get messages from friends that I've connected with over social media who are virtual assistants and just starting out. And they're like, oh my God, I hit send on the email blast that we had scheduled and it wasn't supposed to go out till another hour or it wasn't supposed to go out until the morning. I'm like, listen, were you were you doing it last minute? Were you trying your best? Could you have done it better? Have you learned from this? Like, it's going to be okay. And guess what? If a client fires you because you made a mistake, a genuine mistake, and you're not flippant about your apology, like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. That was awful. Like, my bad. If you are, like, Un unable to appreciate that someone is trying their best for your business and they and you let someone go on that I'm sorry like you're an asshole like people are doing their absolute best in service provider positions like these nobody is trying to screw you over and I think that if I could tell tell anybody that's new and trying to work for themselves give yourself some grace you're not in corporate anymore you don't have to live in fear and my mindset has always been going to try my best. If I fail today, I will not beat myself up about it. I'm doing my best. And you just have to live in that mindset. If you make, you will make a mistake. Like there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You will make a mistake. I make mistakes every single day. You're not going to lose your job. And the jobs that you may lose are not worth keeping. Where I feel like yes. in corporate, it's like, you have to be so scared. Oh my God, somebody's going to take my position because there's a line of people out the door to take your job. Let them take your job. Let them take your job. Nine times out of 10, if I have ever lost a client because I have, I've only happened once, lost a client because I made a mistake that they viewed that was so big, even though it wasn't that big of a deal, honestly, they ended up coming back and apologizing and asked if they could work with me again. No, no, you cannot. I was, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't actively watching it. It was on. I went to my mom's recently and she had Hallmark on and it was a Hallmark movie there's my like disclaimer. It was a Hallmark movie, <laughs> I and love it was Hallmark a Hallmark movie. <laughs> I love Hallmark movies at Christmas time, but I like will acknowledge that as a general rule, they're not great. 
They're not what? great. What? Speak for yourself. They're Oscar worthy. Some of those performances deserve a lot more credit than they're given. The hunky guy who owns the hardware store that falls in love with the girl who owns the ice cream parlor. Are you kidding well, me? They're just one, trying to save Christmas, Sarah. I love the Christmas ones. This one was about butterflies. And oh. this woman was running a butterfly sanctuary but she also does like events with butter like butterfly releases at like birthday parties and weddings and things as one does on their birthday they release butterflies (laughs) yeah yep i love this story so much go ahead um anyways so the wedding of the season is going to happen and this socialite (laughs) who is the bride of this wedding of the season shows up at our oh and our butterfly lady the protagonist has a butterfly lady rival who also (laughs) does butterfly releases but she's not invested in the science amanda about what (laughs) butterflies are up against so our protagonist does care about the science which like honestly the premise of that is fine but no it's um, not no it's not do not tell yourself it is (laughs) so regardless so the wedding of the season is happening and the socialite bride is shopping around for like a big butterfly release and she wants more butterflies than have ever been done before amanda because this is the wedding of the year and she shows up at the protagonist this is the i actually had to google what was going on because we weren't actively watching and it was just like on um but this scene like stuck out to me so the socialite shows up at our protagonist's butterfly sanctuary to ask her about releasing more butterflies than have ever been released before and our protagonist is like uh i mean i could probably do this many it will be tough but we will get as close as we can and she's like no that's the minimum i want this many blah 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 blah. and she basically is like so you're saying you can't do it and the protagonist really wants the business and she's like no i we i can figure it out blah, blah 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 and i'm just watching this exchange where this woman's like because I talked to your butterfly rival and she said she absolutely could do it. So I guess I'll just hire her. And she's like, no, wait, I'll make it happen. I absolutely guarantee like I can make this happen, which of course then she has to figure out how to like follow through on that. But here's the thing about unlearning the corporate mindset. If somebody walks in and talks to you like that, so you're saying you can't do it. You say, well, then I guess I'll hire somebody else. You say, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. You hire someone else. I think like having that self-worth of, listen, in my butterfly sanctuary, I do not get paid enough to get treated this way. Stop so. it. I'm dying. <laughs> I can't tell if this story is as funny as it is to me or if I'm just really high on cold medicine, but this is hysterical. Oh, thanks. You make me feel funny. I just need to hang out with people on DayQuil and then I could be a comedian. <laughs> Um, that's hysterical and so true. She was operating in a scarcity mindset. So I have to know, did the hunky guy that collects butterflies in the wilderness help her? No, it was a single dad of a little girl who's obsessed with butterflies. Did anybody have a butterfly tattoo? I don't know. Missed out. But I don't think so. They did wear butterfly dresses, butterfly earrings. They gave butterfly facts. But um, because we weren't actively watching it, we did hear the same butterfly fact like multiple times. (laughs) Can I tell you one more funny story about this Hallmark movie? So the little girl, like the first time she meets the hunky single dad, the little girl wants to see the butterfly sanctuary. I also saw this scene. 
randomly, the woman was like, our protagonist, Butterfly Lady, was like, oh, hey, like, welcome to the Butterfly Sanctuary. Here's what we do here, which is how I know that that's what she does. And the little girl was like, I know so much about butterflies. Did you know this? And she like says a fact about butterflies. And the butterfly lady was like, yeah, I did know that. And she's like, well, did you know this? And she like whips out another fact. And then flash forward later, the first date between like way later in the movie between the protagonist and the single dad, she says to him, she's talking about how passionate she is about butterflies and she's like did you know blah 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 and it's the same fucking butterfly fact and because those were like the only three scenes in this movie we actually saw was like the rude socialite lady and then those two scenes when she says did you know this i said to my mom i mean i'm pretty sure she does know because his kid was the one who said that fact earlier in this movie (laughs) He one hundred percent googled that fact and told, in fact, and told that to her. <laughs> like that's a like I love I love Hallmark movies. So is that your first thing that's making you happy this week? Um, I'll say time with my mom. Sure. Um, I I, I do uh, listen. I love I love Hallmark Christmas movies. It's like a, definitely a guilty pleasure. But I do not watch them the rest of the year but my mom does and i do think they're funny and they're very lighthearted, and they don't take any brain power which is good but yeah time with my mom always brings me joy what about you i just finished binge watching brian Cran. y'all know i love pop culture so i just finished i watch a lot of tv a lot of movies listen to a lot of podcasts i consume a ton of pop culture i love it i think it's a quality more people should want to have in their lives is just consume as much media as possible. When I die, I want to be so filled with all the shows that I've watched that I can barely breathe. So I just finished watching Your Honor, which is on Showtime, but you can also watch it on Hulu. And it is got Brian Cranston in it from Breaking Bad. It has two seasons. I love watching it because I am super close to New Orleans. And while they did not record in New Orleans, it's really fun to watch because they keep trying to make the New Orleans thing happen. And there's so many times they pretend they're in the French Quarter. And I'm like, that is not the French Quarter. I don't know where you guys are at. I think I Googled it. It was like North Carolina or South Carolina. It's not New Orleans. But anyways, it's a great show. If you like moody, slow, suspenseful, character-driven TV, it's a great show. It has two seasons. And I don't think it's coming back for a third, which is going to make me really sad. But <sighs> that's your honor. And it's fun. Okay, I'm going to do another media one, too. So last season, I started watching Yellow Jackets as a recommendation from you. By the time this comes out, the second season will have ended. And I'm obsessed. Did you you like the second season? I binged the second season this weekend, and I thought it was like so much work. I loved the first season. The second season, I'm like, meh. It just feels like it's so much. No, I love watching. You know when you're watching TV shows and you're like, "God, this is a lot of work." Like it's heavy, and I don't mind heavy shows, but it's just like there's no. I'm like, get to the point. What are we doing? The first season, I was like, boom, boom, bam, bam, bam. There was so much that had my attention. I've struggled with the second season. It's a great show. Don't get me wrong. That's interesting because I feel like a ton happened in the second season. No, I think it's amazing. It's definitely horrifying. To say I love it feels weird because it's a very dark show, but I love it. I love the show. I'm so into it. I'm like joined a Facebook discussion group about it. Also, you were supposed to text me when you watched it. So I'm a little well, I, was mad. So, I was just so into it. I was just so into it. What do you want from me? Doesn't sound like you were. 
Yeah, no, it's good. I got, uh, I think I'm seven episodes into the second season and Drew and I were binging it over the weekend and I was like, are you, do you just need a break? And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to say what point we got to because if I told you, you'd be like, oh, I can see why you needed a break from that. But it was fine. I just think they keep talking about how this, the things that we did in the wilderness. And once you get past the one thing, I'm like, okay, then what's the thing? Because I assumed that was the thing. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like the one thing that they're so embarrassed that they did. I'm like, well, I expected you to do that. So they. So you have not watched episode eight? I don't think so. I don't know which one it was specifically. I'll tell you off the podcast. Yeah. Which one? Because I don't want to spoil or anything. But I'll tell you once we get off what what, where I stopped. But the whole like, I can't believe we did what we did when we were out there. I'm getting a little exhausted with that. Like, okay. I get that. It's like the whole like shit or get off the pot, (laughs) as my grandmother used to say type situation like just tell me what it is by now I'm invested like okay so yeah I love the show though I love the show I do I do think it's good this season has just been a little hard a little hard for me and it might be because I'm binging it and I'm not watching it week by week maybe maybe, that, maybe if it was piecemeal I'd feel a little bit more enjoyment from watching I it. will say in my discussion group <laughs> there are people <laughs> who feel the same as you and there are people who feel the same as me so it goes I mean it, it's just different different styles of storytelling appeal to different people i think but i really love that show okay (laughs) it's so gross it's so dark i love it it is is dark i love Uh, dark media we've talked about this before like i'm such a not dark person but i love dark tv movies books like love it yeah for sure um, I also love to watch reality TV sometimes when I'm in the mood for something kind of brainless because I watch a lot of prestige TV and then there are times I'm like, okay, I need to sh- like shut my brain off and just like watch reality TV. So I watch Love is Blind. I do not care if you judge me. I love that show. And there is a podcast called Out of the Pods that has two of the, the female cast members from I think season two strong female characters that I absolutely loved on the show. They talk about behind the scenes of the show they talk about getting cast in the show I'm one of those people that I don't give a shit about going to a historical site and being like oh my god this is the Alamo however if you take me to a movie set and you're like this is where they shot Top Gun I'd be like whoa that's so cool I love seeing behind the scenes of how movies get made like I could watch endless amounts of tutorials about stage makeup and how they made creatures and all that kind of stuff. I love watching how movies and TV get made. And so that podcast has scratched that itch a bit of like, how do you get cast on a reality show? Not that I want to be, but I'm curious what the process is like. Like, Yeah, totally. I find all that shit fascinating. They also talk about how they transitioned from the show to making money as an influencer. They talk about how much money they made. Like they're very candid about that kind of stuff. And I think that's so fun and interesting to hear these really intelligent women talk about their experience looking for love on a reality show. It's really good. So out of the pods, I'm blanking on the girls' names, but out of the pods, we'll find it on Apple. It's really fun. I love rewatch podcasts for the same reason. This is not my third one, but I do love rewatch podcasts for the same reason because they share a lot of behind the scenes. I just saw the time. So my third thing is that I ordered my first MacBook Pro. I've used MacBook Pros that like a variety of desktop Macs in jobs, but I've never owned a Mac computer. I use Apple everything else, but I have Windows computers, Windows laptops, Windows desktops. So I'm very freaking excited. Can't wait. So it's ordered, but it's 
like a custom build or whatever. So I have to wait for it to get shipped. But that is bringing me so much joy. Welcome to the dark side. I absolutely <laughs> love, love, love my MacBook and I love my iMac so much. I cannot wait for you, which you know what it's like, but to use it on a regular basis is so freaking fun. I love it. The only time it gets annoying is when you have to use Word and you're like, God, not pages, really? <laughs> okay, the last thing making me happy this week is a very personal one. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I hate my neighbors. The couple that lives next door, Sarah just gave me a look. I know that's bold, but I'm going to say it. My neighbors are awful. They are a young couple. They do not listen to this show because we don't talk. So they wouldn't know anything about me. I have tried multiple times to be friends with my neighbors. They're a young couple. They're super cute. She's, I'm not going to say actually what she does just in case she doesn't listen to the show. I'm scared. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'm going to wake up and have like a flaming pile of dog shit on my front porch. Anyways, my neighbors are awful. Like, they have dogs. I have dogs. Our dogs do not like each other. And they constantly, I hear them make comments to each other about how horrible my dogs are. My dogs are not bad. They're just dogs. So if there is a dog scratching on the other side of a fence, my dog is going to bark at you. I'm sorry. It just is the nature of the beast. So what's making me happy about this very strange fact is they are getting a big ass fence set up that's going to block my dogs from their dogs it's going to put two fences between the two of us I cannot freaking wait because I can actually let my dogs out in their backyard because right now I have to go walk them on a leash so that they do not get against the fence because I'm trying to be a nice neighbor they on the other hand let their damn dogs bark against the fence can you tell this has been a thing of contention for me because Y'all, I am a great neighbor. I'm so I'm super friendly. I will put your packages in my house while you're traveling. I'm so nice. These people do not want anything to do with us, and I don't understand it. When we moved into our house and we saw them, we thought, oh, we're going to have neighbor friends. How nice. They don't have kids. They just have dogs. I'm like, this is perfect. Perfect. No. Mm -mm. We do not get along. We don't even speak anymore. I used to be like, hey, how's your day going? You know, nothing nothing now. So they're getting a fence and I cannot freaking wait. And that is what is making me happy this week. That's a good one. <laughs> I also love that they didn't even ask us like, hey, do you care that we're going to have a bunch of cranes like taking down this old fence and it might disrupt your day? No, that's okay. I would do that, but that's fine. So anyway, Sarah, we mentioned in our last show that we have an awesome YouTube channel. It is not recordings of the show. So if you listen to the show, don't think you're going to go to YouTube and watch us talk. No. We are interviewing people that we absolutely love that we want you to know about. And it's not boring ass interviews. They're fun interviews. And we ask all kind of cool questions that are engaging and make people think it will make you think. And we highly, highly recommend they're only 15 minutes or less. So check us out on YouTube. And where else can they find us, Sarah? Over on Instagram at Big Brave Business. And just to drop a little nugget, I think at the time this comes out, our next guest who comes out tomorrow so if you're listening to this the day it comes out is eric we talk about old eric all the time but he's coming to join us on youtube we thought it would be fun for you to meet him and fun is quite the word for it so yeah check it out. <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait for this one it's gonna be good okay have go find us youtube and instagram at big brave business in both places and we'll see you next week see you soon 